turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, we are now three months into the new year, and we've already experienced numerous challenges throughout this world. We've seen earthquakes and lives lost in Turkey and Syria, 48,000 people uh, now is the death toll. We have seen challenges with weather, and we've seen numerous mass shootings, not to mention our daily struggles with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Challenges galore, and the challenges just seem to keep going and not let up. Challenges that try to keep us from moving forward. Challenges that tend to keep us moving backwards instead. But there is a way that we can stay in a forward motion. There is a way that we can keep moving forward every day. And that is to stay in tune with God. Stay in tune with Jesus. If you're a musician, you know how important it is for your instrument to be in tune. But what are you tuning it to? Usually there is a a master piano, keyboard, that everybody tunes to. Well, it's the same way with the Christian life. We have to stay in tune with God and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Tonight, we bring you part nine in our series entitled, How to Stay in Tune with the master tuner. So hang in there, for we're not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Well, Dr. Buckner, we hit some challenges tonight, haven't we? <laughs> oh, yes, Brother Gary. And I believe that uh, the enemy uh, uh, hates contending for the faith and uh, hates Jesus above all. And he hates this program tonight and what's going to be revealed. So. Uh, we just uh, know that he's a defeated foe, and we stand in the victory of the Lord because a lot of people say, I'm praying for victory. And I said, don't pray for victory because victory is already won. Just stand in it. That's why it tells us in <laughs> Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, stand four times. We just stand in what has already been won. That's right. We operate from a place of victory. Amen. That's so true. And thank you so much for that introduction. And thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by our program uh, tonight. And we are continuing this serious 
a series uh, on how to stay in tune with a master tuner. And we talked about last time that there are three ways on how to prepare yourself on how to stay in tune with the master tuner. So we're going to continue to elaborate upon that preparation in the Lord because God is preparing us for a great work ahead. And we need to trust him on that preparation. And that preparation sometimes uh, can be challenging. And it takes a lot of patience uh, in uh, trusting God through the storm on what he's going to do. Uh, and so that's the thing that we need to uh, pray for. Uh, it is said that God answers prayer three ways. Uh, number one, yes. Number two, no. And number three is the hardest, wait. And I think we need to make note of that. You know, those three ways that God answers prayer. And wait is the hardest. So I want to challenge you on that. Those of you who are hearing this message tonight, maybe this is a good word for you. Now, last time I talked about number one, uh, at the top of the list is uh, to be fully yield, uh, to fully yield your heart to God, and not partly, not partially, but to yield and submit your heart to God as king and ruler and Lord and owner of your life, like King David. He was not a perfect man, but he had a, the Bible says he had a heart after God, and uh, Jesus is the greatest example of someone who had a perfect heart after God. And that's why Jesus said when they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? The love the Lord thy God with all your heart. No, he started off with that heart. All your soul, mind and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. So God is preparing a work for all of us, uh, whether it is uh, in the city, whether it's in the suburbs, whether it's in the country, whether it's in the gutter, you know, no matter where you're at, God is preparing you uh, for a great work. And uh, we need to remember God taking uh, Saul uh, out there, and later on Paul, took him out there in that Arabian desert where it was hot and brutal with the heat and doing a work in his life. But it didn't come automatically. It didn't come just... Oh, quickly. I mean, that's three years in the desert, hot, brutal heat. And God was doing a work in his life to prepare him for a greater work. Don't you know, sometimes a God has to put you on your belly, crawling like an alligator, trying to discover what his will is. But that's the way he gets you for a greater work when you start to walk in the Lord. And look at uh, people like Moses on Mount Sinai. He was uh, alone with God, preparing him for a greater work. And God is always doing that. You know, he does it this way, and you might want to write this down. You know, he has a reason for your season. How about that? He has a reason for your season. Uh, and he has a reason for you going through a season. Isn't that a good word to hear tonight? 
somebody's getting blessed by that. That's putting a smile on somebody's face. You got a reason for your season. Even if you're going through hardship, you're going through physical ailments, sickness, going through a divorce, going through trouble with your children and your marriage, and going through finances, uh, financial crisis, going through uh, just aches and pains, going through you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. God has a reason for your season. And remember Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. It says all things, not some things, all things. You got a purpose. You got a purpose sometime in you not having a job for a while. He's preparing you for a greater service. And uh, there were a lot of people, there a lot of people who were without jobs. And over time, God put them in a place where he used them greatly. And when he put them in that position, they were some of the most humblest people because they knew what it meant to be without. And you're going to be able to minister to people who don't have the have-nots. You know, we live in a world with a lot of people that have but man, I tell you, when God puts you in a ministry, uh, he starts to bless you on a greater level. You're going to be able to minister to the have-nots like you've never ministered to them before. Because you can say, I've been there, brother. So, I've been there, sister. Been there and done that. So I know what you're going through. And when I was down to nothing, God was up to something. And sometimes in my lowest moments, that's when God picked me up and gave me a greater heart after him in my lowest moments. And that's when I depended upon him and he shaped me, he broke me, and he breaks us to remake us, you know? And we are the clay, he's the potter. And what he's doing in that preparation time, he's just molding you, breaking you to remake you and molding you and seeing if you're going to Really, really trust him. Now, number two, in this preparation process, we learn to stay in tune with the master tuner uh, because deeply and consistently staying in God's word. You know, when you're going through the valley, you know, you got to go to God's word. Even if you're on your deathbed, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Don't you know that God's word is comforting in the midst of joblessness, in the midst of death, in the midst of hurt and pain, in the midst of a divorce, in the midst of, of uh, chaos with children and the job and community and government. Everything is going haywire and crimes and border madness and when you go and get deeply into God's word and get the word of God into you see God communicates to you and me daily through the word of God and the way that we communicate with God is through prayer and my friend I'm challenging you to get deep into the word of God and get the word of God into you because the only way you're going to know the preparation of God and what he's trying to do in your life 
is to see what he's revealed through his word. God is the author of the Bible, not man. You know, God is. And if you're ignorant of God's word, you're going to be ignorant of what he's trying to prepare you to do. Isn't that powerful? The only way you're going to understand patience and trusting God is to be intelligent, not biblically illiterate of God's word. You got to be literate of God's word. You got to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you grow in grace and knowledge, then you start to understand, oh, God is preparing me for this, preparing me for that. And you look at how he worked in the lives of other people, preparing them throughout the Bible. Look at all of those fishermen, how he dealt with those fishermen for three and a half years. Now, you know, he was preparing them all for a greater work. Don't you know that? You know, he was preparing them for a greater work. And, uh, and that's something very important for us to understand and what he's trying to do because he's working for a greater work in our lives. And uh, so we need to know this. Now, how do you how do you get to the place? Let me say this, and I'm not going to hold this too much longer. I'm going to pick this up again. How do you uh, get to know your spouse better? This is a good illustration. You get to know your spouse better by spending time with her and her with you. If you don't spend time with your spouse, then... Uh, you're not going to get to know your spouse and she's not going to get to know you or any, he's not going to get the chance to know you. You got to spend time with them. And one of the things that I always did, maybe this is going to be in the strength to a lot of you men. When I was in Bible college and I was in seminary and I was working while I was in Bible college seminary, don't you know that I always took out once a week to take my wife out? And to, to take her out on a date once a week and you say well I got children well there's people that can help you with that family members and friends that you can trust but you got to have that intimate time together to grow in your relationship and the same is true with God and God is not a God of uh, you know monologue he's a God of dialogue he wants to have that intimate time with you in his word. And then you're able to understand what he's trying to say to you, what he's trying to reveal to you. Uh, and you got to know his word inside out and outside in. How about that? And uh, you got to take advantage of this. Most Christians don't spend time in the word of God. And most Christians aren't hungry enough for the word of God. And, and most Christians feel after a while, they know the basics and that is enough. That's a trap for the enemy. But there is so much more to know about God's word. When we get deep into it, the meat of the word of God. Let me just say this in closing. I want to kind of like lay out this and I'll talk about it more next time. I want you to just write down these uh, four different W's. I want you to write these four W's down. And the first one is know who God is. 
That's the first W. Know who God is. The second W is know what God is like. The third W is know God's work. Know what God's work is like. And then the fourth W is know what his will is like for your life. Look at all those W's. If you uh, incorporate all those W's in your life, then you will become, I'll add a fifth one, a powerful warrior of God. How about that? A fifth W. You'll become a powerful warrior of God by incorporating all of these five W's. He that has an ear, let him hear what the five W's are trying to say to you tonight, Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And we just want to thank all of you who have been listening to Contending for the Faith for so many years, you faithful listeners, and for, for all of you who have been faithful in your prayers for this ministry. We can't thank you enough. Uh, it's so vitally important because we know that without your prayers, we, there's no way we'd be on the air as long as we have. And also, we want to thank those of you who have generously given to this ministry. This is a listener-supported ministry, and uh, we are so grateful for your support these many, many years. There's a couple of ways that you can donate. One, you can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. And I just want to say at this juncture, <clears throat> we really need your support right now. Uh, we are experiencing a bit of a low in terms of giving. And so it's time for everybody to kind of wake up and, and hit a home run for Contending for the Faith. Uh, it's You can do that tonight, as a matter of fact. You don't have to wait any further. As I was about to say, the second way to give is simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button. It's that simple. So I want to challenge you tonight. If you enjoy this ministry, if you've been a long-term listener and you've never, ever given, well, now's the time. We need your help. Step up to the plate and hit a home run for contending for the faith. Uh, once again, just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, click on the donate button, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. So we want to encourage you. This is important. It's a, a critical time for us. So we want to make sure that you're aware of that and that we do need your support right now. So give us a call or go online, go to contendingfaith.org, click on that donate button and be a blessing. And speaking of being a blessing, Dr. Buckner is going to be a blessing to the Refuge Church and their community 
<clears throat> Friday, March 17th, Saturday, March 18th, and Sunday, March 19th. He's going to be speaking there three days. The first two nights are the first night, March 17th, from 6.30 to 8.30, uh, and Saturday, March 18th, from 10 to 12 noon. And he's going to be speaking those two days on the Christian walk. Now, Sunday, he's going to be delivering the Sunday morning message, and he's going to be doing a message entitled, The Gospel is Fully Loaded. You don't want to miss that one. I know it's going to be awesome. So you can come out. It's at the Refuge Church. They're located at 1187 Meadow Lane in Concord, California, 94520. Again, that's the Refuge Church, 1187 Meadow Lane, Concord, California, 94520. If you want more information, you can talk to uh, Dr. Buckner. You can call him by phone, area code 415 seven two one one seven seven eight and get more information on this event i just want to encourage you if you're in the concrete area or even if you're not you can get down there uh take advantage of this opportunity to meet dr buckner to take advantages of, of his over 50 years of training and uh wisdom that god has blessed him uh with and also want to encourage other churches as well you know this is a perfect opportunity have dr buckner come to your church do, do a Bible study, do a training, do a workshop, do a special seminar. He has tons of uh, material that can just entirely bless your church and community. So we want to encourage you to do that. All right, Dr. Buckner, are you ready to do this through the phone calls? Yes, let's do that, Brother Gary. And thank you so much for those encouraging, <laughs> challenging words. Okay. Who do we have first? Jermaine is on hold on line one. Brother Jermaine, well, how you doing? I'm doing very well you? tonight. Oh, good. Good to hear your voice, my brother. And and we can hear we you clearly. Yes, we hope that you're doing well in your family. Oh, yes, sir. Everybody's doing very well. Oh, good. We're always praying for your family. And what's on your heart tonight? Yeah, I um, just uh, had a question. A, a good friend of mine that uh, will remain nameless, uh, he's, he's very close to me. But uh, he, you know, he's going through some marriage challenges, and the situation being, you know, he's just wondering what do you do to handle infidelity in a marriage. You know, as far as uh, what the Bible says, I think it's pretty clear, and, and I believe he has a, a certain understanding about that. But the issue is, do you even? I know the Bible mentions you know reconciliation and, and healing, but. How do you appropriately handle a situation when you have maybe one spouse who may not be repentant at all and may be continuing in the act, you know, and still, you know, defiantly going to do what they want to do versus what they know they should be doing? And they, you know, they know it's sin. They're supposed to be a believer as well. Should you even have a fellowship with that kind of person as far as prayer and attending church services goes. I just want to hear your thoughts on that because, you know, he's very conflicted and he wants to do the right thing to save his uh, his marriage. Right. So uh, this is, is this his wife that's doing this? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So that's a good question. Uh, well, the Bible teaches several things regarding this subject matter. And it does tell us as well that 
we are to not to have fellowship with uh, those who are living in fornication. Uh, that's regarding the church as a whole. The church is not to um, support a person who is living uh, in uh, fornication or adultery. The second thing is this, that there are only two biblical uh, reasons uh, to uh, divorce somebody, and one is infidelity uh, that Jesus talked about. Uh, if someone does this, uh, that Jesus says, you know, they are free from that individual if they do commit adultery, you know. And then the second one uh, is uh, spiritual abandonment that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know, if an unbelieving spouse uh, walks away, then the Apostle Paul says one is no longer under bondage to that marriage. Now, my thing is this, that God wants us to do everything we can to try to reconcile a marriage. And uh, we need to be patient uh, to uh, reach out to that person, uh, that spouse, and try to tell them, you know, uh, not only that you love them and you care about them, but uh, that you also <clears throat> is not going to tolerate them living in ongoing sin. Because not only uh, do that individual have the right to divorce them, uh, because Jesus said one uh, divorce under the circumstances of uh, adultery, you know, infidelity. So you go to the spouse and simply say, you know what? God is not pleased at what you're doing, and neither am I, and that I have the right to uh, divorce you. I'm just kind of, I'm a counselor as well. I deal with a lot of people dealing with these issues. And uh, you go to them with that approach that, look, I love you, I care about you, but I'm not going to tolerate sin uh, in your life, neither is God. And you challenge them to say, you got to repent of this. You got to have a change of heart, mind, and thought. I mean, repentance, the Greek word montanoia carry on three aspects, change of heart, mind, and thought. And that the person has to be challenged from the other spouse that, I'm not going to tolerate it, nor is God, <clears throat> and I'm calling upon you to repent. And if you don't repent of this and bear fruit, uh, then uh, I, I'm going to divorce you. And I think sometimes you got to be just hard-nosed with that situation. You can't, uh, uh, you know, diddle around the bush, you know, you can't be uh, easy around the situation, you got to be give that spouse tough love and simply say stop what you're doing I'm not going to tolerate it and then if they repent of it they got to bear some fruit and that means that they are willing to go through Christian counseling and to abandon that person that they were with and to show fruit around that they have abandoned them and that they go through counseling and that they show that they are truly repentant. Because John the Baptist says he went a step beyond just repentance. He said, bear 
the fruit of repentance. You're going to see a change. And so I've counseled people, uh, Brother Jermaine, that have taken this approach with tough love, and some spouses listen. And then there are other spouses, that, or some spouses listen, and they win that spouse. Because the Lord wants us to be forgiving uh, and to try to reconcile the situation, but to not sit back and just say, you know what, I'm going to wait forever for this spouse living in sin. No, God says you have the right. If they are committing adultery, and uh, you have the right to divorce that person, but we encourage people to not be so quick with that, to go do everything they can to save the spouse and the marriage for not only the sake of their own love, but for the sake of if they have children. And so, uh, and we look at examples of this in the New Testament, right? Where Paul uh, was confronted with this issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul was hard-nosed. I mean, he literally said, you know, deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his body that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Because there was a young man in the church uh, dealing with his father's uh, wife. And that was, the father got remarried to a younger woman. It was not his mother. His mother probably died. And then he started they started having a relationship and they were bold about it in the church. They were not only bold about it outside the church, but in the church. And yet, Paul says he got a letter from the, the church saying what was going on. And Paul says, this thing that's going on in the church of Corinth, not even the pagans do something so evil. And he says, deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his body, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. In other words, excommunicate him out of the church, put him out, let him be exposed to Satan to whip him uh, or whip that person and whip him into repentance. And then we find in Second Corinthians that the person did repent, which was good. And that's what we're trying to do with people who are falling away uh, into these sort of immoral sins. So uh, that's the way I would approach it with them. I would just be straightforward with it. So God is not tolerating it, nor am I. And you need to repent of that. And if they do, you won your spouse. If they don't, then, hey, you can do what you need to do to, you know, get away, out, get out of that marriage and move on with your life. So hopefully that, that helps out, Brother Jermaine. Yeah, I think it does. I just want to make sure I'm... I'm uh providing biblical counsel to my friend and yeah everything you said is uh is uh, concurrent yeah yeah i appreciate it thank you for, for yeah. <coughs> not sugarcoating yeah you're not sugarcoating it. you're being straightforward with it but you're doing it in love because you do want to try to the person wants to try to do everything they can to win their spouse but at the same time god doesn't tolerate sin neither are we you know some people think we're to sit back and just take the abuse and the misuse. No, we're not. Gary, you want to sum this up? Yeah, I would say one more thing to that, and that is, you know, get the church around this couple and have make sure people are praying for them because prayer works, and, and we need to make sure that 
these folks are being prayed for, that God is being asked to intervene in this situation to soften hardened hearts, to create an atmosphere of forgiveness and mercy and grace, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a terrible thing for uh, a married couple to go through. It, it is, it's a very hurtful thing. It's a damaging thing. It breaks trust. It tears up, tears down walls. I mean, all this stuff is happening. And um, so they need a lot of prayer. They need yeah. a lot of support. So yeah. make sure they get it. Yeah. And that, and that only brother Gary, that only is true if it's not a confidential thing. Well, because that's true. If, it, if, it, if it's a confidential thing, we just have to be careful. Because if it's a confidential thing, then the pastor, uh, if the person came to the pastor and said, uh, this is something going on, I don't want the church to know, but I want you to pray, then that's good. But if the person is, it, it, if it's been exposed and, the, and people are aware in the church and the person wants the entire church to be praying for that, then that's good. So we just have to make sure that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, th that's that's balanced out too. That's, that's true. And I would, I would just say, you know, everybody should have somebody that's close in their yeah. life um, that they can confide in. I'm not saying necessarily the whole church needs to be in on this, but um, just that tight-knit uh, close family, friends, whatever, that, that, that is trusted with this information. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, Brother Jermaine, let's do this because uh, we are a prayer uh, <laughs> warrior uh, radio uh, team. And Gary, let's pray. Uh, we don't know the people's name, but let's pray for them right now with Brother Jermaine joining in. And let's, speaking of prayer, we can start that right now and right. executing that in the Lord. So let's let's pray and have Brother Jermaine to join in with us. And we want Amen. to ask everybody in the Bay, Bay to pray <coughs> with us on this too. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Lord, we just lift up this situation. You, Lord God, know this couple. And we pray right now, Lord God, that you would move in this situation in a mighty way. We pray for this spouse that has stepped out of the boundaries of her marriage and is involved in an adulterous relationship. We pray, Lord God, that you would convict her of sin and righteousness. And we pray, Lord God, for the husband, Lord God, that he's been hurt, maybe even humiliated. But Lord God, I pray that you would give him a spirit of mercy and forgiveness and that love would prevail. I pray that you, Lord God, would come into this situation and that his wife, would feel this, uh, the burden of repentance, that she would be convicted, Lord God, of sin and righteousness. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give her a holy disdain for that adulterous relationship, that you would break that thing, break it apart, and Lord God, that you would drive Satan right out of the situation, and that the Holy Spirit would move in and touch both of them, and that healing and reconciliation would occur. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or think, Lord God. And we know your word says that you hate divorce. And so, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that it doesn't come to that. We pray, Lord God, that you would heal this broken marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. And thank you, Jermaine, for always your 
great questions and your great uh, concerns for other people. We love you, brother, and appreciate you, and God bless you. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you, guys. Love you guys even more. You too. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open, and we do want to hear from you. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecture counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. So we have coming up next, Sophia on line two. Sophia, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You know, I have to say it quickly because I know um, it's running late, but I just want to say that I know you had a little problem at the beginning. And it's because Satan knew how fabulous your opening was going to be. When you said, when you said, God has a reason for my season, it did put a smile on my face. And when you said, when I was down to nothing, God was up to something. So you were on fire tonight. Satan knew you were going to be, and that's why there was a problem. I think it was your best opening, but that's just my opinion. Now, Amen. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. I want, that. I mean, everybody, every opening is fabulous, but that was, oh, anyway. Now, what I want to ask, and I'll try to be quick, um, that two things. One, quickly, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? If we're saved, aren't we automatically walking in the Spirit? Also, I heard a preacher say, I don't know, it's two in the morning, talking about this Holy Spirit intercedes for us, but I thought that that was the job of, of uh, Jesus. So I'm a little confused about the role of the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit, what that means. All righty. Well, it's good, good, two good questions. Uh, to walk in the Spirit um, is defined for us in Galatians chapter 5. So if you look at Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul hits the proverbial theological nail upon the head and giving you the answer. And so uh, to walk in the Spirit is to... Uh, walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Because in Galatians 5 and 22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Self-control. So when you say, what, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Galatians 5 and 22 is your answer. And then he also adds to that uh, to not walk in the flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. So that is that is basically it in a nutshell. And when you talk about the role of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives you the role of the Holy Spirit in the Johannian Gospel, which is another theological term for the Gospel of John. So when you read John chapters 14, 15, and 16, uh, Jesus explains the role of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm leaving. Uh, in, in those chapters, chapters 14, 15, 16, you want to read that thoroughly. And he says, I'm going, I'm going away, but I will send you a comforter. You know, he was the previous comforter, but he says, I'm sending you another comforter, which means the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say his role will be? His role will be 
to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, and that's the role of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to lead people to Jesus Christ, who's the Lamb of God, who uh, gave his life for the sins of the uh, whole entire world. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit in a nutshell to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to comfort us, but also. You must add this to it, too. Um, he came as a role of John 1 and 12 to give us authority, you know, and that's why J uh, John writes and, uh, you know, uh, that he's come uh, to give us power in John 1 and 12. Uh, and to many of those who have received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So. The, the Greek word power there is exousia, and that means authority. And then in Acts 1 and 8, he's come, his role is to empower the church for service and witness bearing and to reach the world through us in convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment in our own life. And he's uh, in, John, in Romans 8. He's an intercessor. He talks about him being an intercessor, you know, and uh, in, in, in working with, uh, with us and God and bringing us closer to him. And he's the one also protecting the church right now from the Antichrist being unleashed because it talks about Second Thessalonians uh, in chapter 2 uh, when uh, he is removed, then the wicked one will be unleashed so the holy spirit is restraining only he who now restrains will restrain until you know the restraint is unlifted and the restraints there is a reference to the holy spirit restraining the evil one and demons that are in the uh the pits of hell being unleashed in the tribulation period so hopefully uh, i've done a little teaching on that with you but hopefully that, uh, uh, Reader's Digest condensation of it, but hopefully that really helps you out. Yeah, no, that was fabulous. You gave me a lot of verses to read so, so I can get a better uh, even take on it, and thank you so much. I really appreciate that clarification. I think if you look at Romans 8 and 26, it kind of gets to your question where we, it says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't mm -hmm. know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes. You were talking about interceding, mm -hmm. right? The Holy Spirit does that for us as well. So that's kind of answering that part of your question. Amen. Oh, great. God well, bless you both. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your encouraging words, too. We appreciate it. And God bless you. Thank you. Good night. All right. Good night. And Dr. Buckman, not only does the Holy Spirit intercede, make intercession, but we have Jesus Christ doing the same thing. Isn't that right? It, that's absolutely true. Really true, Gus. He's making intercession in heaven, but the Holy Spirit makes intercessions on earth. So they're yes. all working together as one. And mm -hmm. as you indicated in Romans, and I mentioned it earlier too, that mm -hmm. he makes intercession, that uh, he's doing it on earth and uh, Jesus is doing it in heaven. So when you yeah, got both people working confused. together, yeah. it's pretty powerful. Amen. Yeah. So right. who, who do we have next? We have Brother Rick. Hey, Brother Rick, how are you doing? No, not, not tonight. No, we don't have Brother Rick? Okay. 
Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's Alfred. Alfred. Oh, we have Alfred. Oh, okay. Well, let me just say this real quick before we get to Alfred. I know Rick had called me and he had said uh, he had a question regarding um, the um, uh, Rick Warren. And he had mentioned uh, regarding Rick Warren. He's the former uh, pastor of the uh, Saddleback Church for uh, the, and then he, he wanted to know uh, what was the Southern Baptist uh, view on uh, ouncing Rick Warrant uh, out of the uh, from uh, you know being a part of their ministry and so I think he had a question regarding that and so the, the answer is is really that the Southern Baptist has ounced Rick Warren from the Southern Baptist for naming a woman to its pastoral team, and this is against the Southern Baptist teaching. The church also ordained three women as pastors, and they were under investigation for that. So the Bible teaches against women pastors in the church because it is a violation of headship, so they have been expelled by God's, uh, they've been expelled from uh, the Southern Baptist. So that uh just wanted to answer rick's question in relation to that okay uh alfred we have alfred and then we're gonna try to get to megan's question if we could we have some time what what uh, alfred are you on the line yes i am yes yes how you doing and what's on your heart my brother yeah i had a question for you um are the ten commandments really sent to us from god well, yeah, the Ten Commandments is sent from us from God because he gave them to Moses on a, a two tablets. And uh, But the big issue is today is the Ten Commandments uh, for us today. It's only for us in terms of moral. Uh, we can look at the morals of the Ten Commandments and say that's a nice little, that's a moral thing that we can uh, live by, you know, don't kill and don't steal. But... That is not the uh, the commandments that we live by today. Seventh Day Adventists uh, teach that, but that's under the old covenant. We are not under the old covenant, as it talks about in Hebrews chapter eight. The old covenant has been obsolete, so we are under a new covenant now, and that's the covenant of the new commandments of Christ. Because they asked him, "What is the greatest commandments?" and he didn't say anything about the Ten Commandments. He said. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Upon these hang all the laws and the prophets. There was a, there was 613 laws in all. And uh, Jesus summed it all up in loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, upon these two and your neighbor, you fulfilled the law. So anybody that tries to bombard somebody with living by the Ten Commandments, like the Seventh-day Adventists do and others, that's contrary to the scripture that Paul says in Romans 13 that uh, love your neighbor by loving your neighbor you have fulfilled the law so hopefully that helps out my brother okay thank you Dr. Buck. you got it thank you for your your question uh, Gary I think we have about a couple of minutes but uh, Megan, we, don't, we don't have that we only have we don't have that but let me just say this we will address Megan's question next week because she wanted to know about uh, what does the Bible say about people 
seeking after a medium uh, into spiritism. And so we're going to address that next uh, week on Contending for the Faith. That'll be one of our top priorities. Brother Gary, knock on home run. All right. So please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time. We will once again give you the opportunity to ask questions and make comments and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.